0: Welcome, Screensavers. I'm Michael Gallett. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sutkis. Together we host the Silver Screensavers podcast, and today we're talking about the greatest beer run ever, which is Peter Farrelly's follow-up to his Best Picture winner, Green Book. That seems like a long time ago. And this is a special day, fellas, because we are joined by an awesome guest. It's Josh from Talking Smack. Hi, Josh. How you doing? Hi, I'm doing
1: well. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's awesome to have you on. Uh, Tell the people a little bit about Talking Smack, what you guys do, where they can find you.
1: Well, we talk about drugs a lot. No, I'm sorry. Uh, That's a different (laughs) podcast. Uh, We talk about superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. That's what the Smack stands for. And uh, we are not the sports-affiliated one. There is another Talking Smack out there that uh, will probably be one of the the higher-up ones if you do a Google search or an Apple podcast search for us. We have a, a bright red and yellow banner. Uh, lots of avatars you're going to think you're listening to like eight people at once you're not it's usually just me and maybe one or two other people Uh, but we just love talking nerd shop whether it's movies comics video games whatever and we usually try to make it accessible because not everyone has the same level of knowledge on these things so if we have to give a little bit of backstory we will but we're not gatekeepers we're not trying to do any of that sort of stuff and we just try to have fun
0: yeah, absolutely. And take it from us. It's an incredible show. So thank you very much for that. Weekly watch list, Josh, have you been watching anything cool this week?
1: I have been burning through Andor. I was out of town for work uh, a couple weeks ago when they launched the first three episodes. And uh, then I came home and our baby was sick and then I got sick. So uh, Ricky, my wife and I, we finally sat down and watched the first four or five episodes for Andor. Which is absolutely fantastic. I I'm super excited for this heist. I hope it happens in episode five, and then something cool happens in episode six. That's coming out this week, uh, and then we're also watching House of the Dragon, which is solid Game of Thrones stuff. Uh, I don't know if it's as good as peak Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, but it's it is really good.
0: Is it as good as final season Game of Thrones?
1: Oh, it's significantly <laughs> better.
0: Okay, good to know. Oh. All right, that's not the topic of the episode today, but at some point I'll get to share my feelings about that. Uh, Matt, what about you? This week I went out to the
2: theater to see Terrifier 2, the sequel to Terrifier from 2016. Super low-budget cult film featuring a scary clown named Art. Super gory, but like low-budget gore, so it's... Kind of cheesy looking, but it's got a lot of charm to it. The first movie really served to set up Art as like this unkillable entity, where the second one really brings in, tries to bring in more of a plot, like a a proper protagonist to sort of face off against this evil supernatural clown. Uh, It was pretty solid. the The script wasn't perfect, but it was serviceable enough to get from gore scene to gore scene, which there are a lot of gore scenes in this movie. I've been reading headlines about how people are passing out and, like, getting sick watching this movie, which I know we heard that a lot with Crimes of the Future, and that (laughs) definitely felt like uh, not so much. But um, this one, I I genuinely believe it with this one, because there are some some really gnarly scenes. Um, It... Was one of the most packed theaters I've been in since like the last Marvel movie we've seen. Like this, this thing was almost sold out, uh, which makes sense because a lot of it was crowdfunded. So I feel like a lot of the people showing up were, f- I'm sure many of them, contributed and were following this project pretty closely. And I think now it made almost one point two million dollars, from something I read for a sequel to a movie that was made on $35,000 it's it's not for nothing it was really cool um i watched well <clears throat> i also watched werewolf by night the mcu 45 50 minute special i th- i thought it was very solid it has had a really cool aesthetic to it some solid action pieces it was short and sweet i um i'm curious for what they do it with kind of the Marvel monster universe. Um, Gael Garcia Bernal was very solid as Werewolf by Night, and Laura Donnelly as Elsa Bloodstone was also fantastic. And a certain other popular character shows up. I'm not going to spoil it, because I feel like it's kind of a surprise. It, you're better off being surprised when he shows up.
1: It was a good surprise.
2: Yeah, it was
0: pretty awesome. I uh, I liked it quite a bit. I heard a lot about this. And it made me actually interested to watch a a Marvel streaming thing. So pretty impressive on on their end for that.
2: I mean, it it basically is very reminiscent of like an old Universal monster movie as far as the aesthetic goes. But with a little bit of like Marvel flair to it with like the humor and some of the action pieces. Very solid. Um, I know Mike and Tyler, I know you both also saw Hellraiser, so I'll let you guys speak on it. Uh, But I also watched the new Hellraiser, which I, what I'll say is the creature designs were cool, but that's about it.
0: Yeah, agreed. Tyler?
3: I did not see the new Hellraiser, so I cannot speak on it. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, I did, uh, basically all I've been watching is plugging away at our Halloween uh, movies for next episode. And I've watched so many back-to-back now that, like, without my notes, I couldn't even differentiate which one's which. I don't even know what's going on at this point. I have to, like, look through my notes and be like, oh, yeah, this was that movie. This one was that one.
0: That's what you get for procrastinating. (laughs) it's true. 48 straight hours of Michael. (laughs) Yeah, I saw a couple of new things. I saw Bros, finally. Uh, It's about Billy Eichner. He plays Bobby. He's a New York podcaster he's you know kind of in his 40s now never found love he has a bunch of unsatisfying hookups with guys he has no connection with he's selected as a curator for a new lgbtq plus museum and when he meets a new guy that he could actually fall for he struggles navigating the new relationship and kind of like coming out of his protective emotional shield it's a rom-com directed by nicholas stoller who i would say is one of the most successful comedy directors of the last decade neighbors forgetting Sarah Marshall all that kind of stuff um you know some kind of modern comedy classic stuff it was written by him and Billy Eichner I like this movie a lot it had me laughing quite a bit it's very sweet it embraces you know being sincere in your emotions and you know not being afraid to just like show the way you feel not having to act cool all the time Billy Eichner really steals the show in a lot of moments. He has some knockout scenes, some really great monologues that were just like squeezing my heart. He really did great on those. Luke McFarlane is the love interest. I think Aaron is his name. He's good. I don't know if either him or Eichner are yet the best actors in the world. There were kind of some moments where I was like, eh. And I found myself caring more about Bobby, the main character, than I did about their relationship which is not necessarily unique to this rom-com it happens but they were both very good i don't want to take away from that it's a very enjoyable movie i wouldn't say a great movie some of the filmmaking is quite clunky on a scene-to-scene basis there's some awkward timing it struggles to balance the tone of the beginning because the movie and I, i wasn't expecting this from the trailer it takes place simultaneously in the real world but then like Surreal things happen from time to time, real, like, kind of heavy satire stuff, which is fine, but like, I found the balance a little bit off. Um, and none of you have, have any of you seen this one? Nope, nope. There is a song portion in, in the part, and I found it very strangely shot and performed. If anybody out there has seen it, and it's a little overlong, but I, I don't want that stuff to take away. It's still very enjoyable, it's a good time. I recommend it, and apparently. Not that many people have seen it. Has not made a lot of money, which is very disappointing because it's a great time at the movies. Um, but we, even even marry me with J Lo and, and Owen Wilson did could not could not break that box office. And yes, Matt is right. I also saw Hellraiser. It's kind. Of, it's like a reboot remake of Hellraiser based on the Hellbound Heart by Clive Barker. This one, in contrast to the original, it's about a young woman who is an addict and she tries to rescue her brother after he is captured by the Cenobites. Uh, it's directed by David Bruckner who directed The Night House recently, which didn't like that one. Uh, can, tell you how, can tell you how much I like this one. Written by Ben Collins and Luke Petrowski. I did not like this at all. Matt, you said it. Some of the character design is creative and a lot of it looks good. They got a couple of cool gadgets and stuff like that. Beyond that, the movie is ridiculously boring. I like this should have been stopped at the script stage because the story here is just nothing. The characters, I don't care about any of them. It's just scenes of revolving between solving a puzzle box mixed with the Cenobites showing up and ripping people apart. Like, that's that's the whole movie. It plays like a slasher. I don't think the movie calls for like a slasher format at all you know the concept of the cenobites in the whole universe is about mixture of pain and sensuality but this movie doesn't dive into that at all none of the characters effectively embody that they're just afraid of the cenobites the whole time and there's no other story there's no like enticement into the darkness uh, and the ending is just baffling both parts of it we won't spoil it here but i i don't like this movie and i increasingly i used to be a stick to it guy like i'll just stick to it to the end stick to it to the end lately i don't know about you guys i've been like annoyed if i watch a whole movie and i don't feel as though my time was well spent i are you guys stick to it guys
1: i will usually stick to it
0: yeah i don't i i will
3: give up easily if i'm not interested (laughs) if if we, were, if we
2: weren't held captive in a theater and actively trying to review Smile last week, I would have walked
0: out of that one. 100%. Yeah, I would have too. Um, I almost walked out of The Good House, but I was writing poetry as I watched it, so it was all good. Yeah, I I just don't feel good about having spent two hours watching this movie. The original Hellraiser from 87, I think, you should watch that. It's super fascinating uses the cenobite sparingly because it has an actual interesting main story and it has a character through which to explore the blurring line between, you know, both ends, both ends of the the pleasure pain spectrum. Uh, Claire Higgins as Julia. Anybody here see the original Hellraiser? It's really good. I've I have I remember it being pretty good.
2: Like I thought it was pretty scary.
0: Yeah, I think it's really good and also the the body reanimation scene i'm like that's from 87 and it looks better than so much of the stuff that they make now uh the special effects in that are really great all right but that is our weekly watch list we're gonna move now to our review of the greatest beer run ever this is available on apple tv plus kind of a what i would say is a quieter release not a ton of fanfare for this one i don't think it's yeah well we'll talk about it i don't think it was even available i'm sure it was maybe like playing in new york and la or something but i didn't see it in a single theater anywhere it was in the cinemarks near us a couple of them was it it
2: was in yeah manchester and i think west springfield or maybe hadley it seems like a hadley one
0: yeah i didn't even see that but regardless this is about chicky who is a, a sea laborer he's a veteran who is on leave from work in the late 60s he lives in inwood in manhattan A lot of the guys from his neighborhood are over in Vietnam, so he travels to the war-torn nation to bring his friends some beer and encouragement from home. This is directed by Peter Fairley, written by Fairley, Brian Curry, and Pete Jones, and based on the nonfiction book by John Chickie Donahue and Joanna Malloy. I just want to do a disclaimer. This is a a based-on-a-true-story thing, and I know everybody listening is smart enough to know this, but I just want to say the movie is much different from the book, which is, of course, based on the real guy's story. So when we refer to Chicky today, we're not referring to the real chick. We're referring to the character. There are many aspects of the real character that the movie doesn't explore. I've read the book. It's a pretty fascinating read, so I'd recommend it to anybody who liked the movie or anybody who didn't like the movie and is interested in a little more detail. Um, but with that said, Josh, what were your thoughts on this movie? Would you recommend it?
1: general thoughts on the movie uh i felt like it was really unbalanced it clearly was it has award season aspirations with the cast and the subject matter but i feel like the messaging is really sloppy and uh, unbalanced uh with it being uh, a vietnam story obviously there's a whole aspect of supporting the troops versus supporting the war and protests and all these other things and the movie i don't feel handles it very well because chicky is supposed to be our point of reference character And through his growth, he he learns more about his naivety towards the war and how the press is supporting it. But I don't feel like it really conveys a lot of what Chicky's going through all that well, because it's still trying to be a little bit more funny as like a dramedy. But overall, would I recommend it? No, but based on understanding that it's uh, inspired by a book and a real story, I'd maybe say check out the book. I haven't read it yet, but I am very interested in it now.
0: Yeah, I, I would second that. The book is much more detailed, and th- this this movie takes a lot of liberties. Um, but yeah, Matt, um, I thought it was I thought it was okay.
2: I, I mean, it wasn't. It didn't blow me out of the water. I mean, I did think it was a little silly. It tried to be a little too silly considering the subject matter. But I I mean, I got the point that it was trying to put across. I think is even though it wasn't necessarily the best execution. Um, I also f- maybe I don't know. I almost feel like it was trying to draw parallels between the Vietnam situation and today's culture of like being anti media or anti, you know, how like people can't like the opposing sides. Like, I think they were trying to draw some parallels between that and today.
1: I agree with that 100%. Um, and I, I think that's kind of where the the movie falls apart, because now it's kind of uh, you have a choice of where you get your news from, where back then it was you have your local news station and you have the the government press releases. And that's kind of it where now you can get your narratives, however you feel fit your views. And that's where the the comparisons kind of fall apart, because I was looking for the same things because it's hard not to go there. And the movie never really takes a side on that
2: yeah i agree for sure um story aside though i thought as far as like the acting and like the other like the people involved i thought were fine like i thought zach efron was fine um i I thought it was kind of funny how they build it's like it's built as like zach efron russell crowe and then bill murray but bill murray's in it for like five minutes i thought that was interesting
0: Even Russell Crowe's in it for like 15 minutes and that's it.
2: I was thinking that, you know, like the way they build it was kind of weird. Like, I don't know. It just, it feels like the, I like the idea, but the, between the execution of the movie itself, plus the marketing and all that, it just kind of, it was
3: kind of awkward for me the whole way they handled it.
0: Hmm. Tyler, what about you?
3: So I'm personally really pumped that a movie had the bravery to say that war is bad. <laughs> no, this, this movie, clearly he was, Peter Farrelly was trying to say something with this. And I think from what I've heard of The Green Book, I don't have any desire to watch The Green Book. I think he just kind of takes it's the simplest... The. Oh, is don't, it just Green don't Book?
0: Don't be a parent and, and put the in I front thought it of was. Okay, it well, I'm the... sorry.
3: Sorry, Mr. Farrelly, I'll apologize. In Green Book, I feel like he takes, like, a simplistic view to these events. Like, making this a weird, like you said, Josh, a dramedy was an odd choice. I could understand the humor if you kept it in the beginning and then as it kind of progressed. Because you're supposed to be being shown the horrors of war, but then, like, the next scene he's just like, yeah, I'm gonna joke and pretend like none of this happened so like none of the growth of the horrors of war landed for me it's also not a topic that's like that obscure like it i didn't like get a message out of this that i was that i feel like he was going for and i just feel like the character of chicky in this was just terrible i i hated him i couldn't stand him Like, he just seemed like such an idiot in every scene. I'm just like, you're you're ruining everyone. Like, everyone's experience here. Like, why is he so unlikable? It doesn't make sense. Uh, But, and then Bill Murray. Oh, my God. Just as the platitudes screaming, like, support our boys. Like, I just could not stand any time he was on screen. So, like, so many characters in this were just comedy relief. Like, we have one guy who just flip-flops his opinion whenever someone says something different. Yeah, true. What was the point of that? Like, none of the humor was good. I hated all the humor through this, so it was a slog to get through. Way too long, and just said a lot of nothing.
1: I don't even think they say that friend's name ever in the movie. I don't think so.
2: Yeah, they just called him a flip-flopping a-hole, and and then that that was just his name. Maybe that was his name in the script. They never gave him a name. It's just... (laughs) Yeah, it's possible.
1: that, That seemed like a bit that was in the script that they were just like, yeah, let's go with what let's go for it
0: yeah i i'm a bit more positive i liked the movie i liked the experience of it i enjoyed most of my time with it everything you guys have said is a hundred percent accurate it's not a fantastic movie so the praise that i'm about to give it is pretty lukewarm so consider that i don't think it's a dumpster fire it's not particularly deep about discovering the bad things happening in Vietnam so I could tell pretty early on that that was the direction that they were going so I just switched that part of my brain off and I kind of enjoyed this again it's not that accomplished but I liked it as a movie about the civilian experience of war and like the kind of paradox surrounding the American military of We recognize that it's an honorable thing to serve your country in the military, but sometimes when soldiers go overseas, they're asked to do things that are not honorable, which is not their fault, but they're asked to do them and all this kind of complicated things, right? So how do we recognize the sacrifice without valorizing the things that were done in certain places? Um, There is actually a better movie about this very concept that came out this year, called The Sea Beast, which is on Netflix. So go watch The Sea Beast, and that is much better. But like this this movie, it's an okay watch. My interest kind of dropped in and out. I thought it could have been stronger if they weren't going to actually like dive in to the horrors of war or whatever, and they still wanted to do it. Could have been stronger if they had leaned more into what it kind of tries to do occasionally, which is be the Vietnam War version of Catch Me If You Can, where... Chicky could have just like tricked his way around the country like Frank Abagnale does in Catch Me If You Can, and I thought that would have been more interesting. Again, if you're trying to do like a kind of zippy, more fun thing, which I don't, I don't really think the Vietnam War is calling for. But if that's what you wanted to do, at least, at least be a little sharper about it is what I would say. Um, and Tyler, I I put this note, and you said the same exact thing. It has the same appeal as Green Book in that it takes a very complicated American-centered issue based on a true story and makes it into a comic enjoyable enough but not very deep exploration of the topic. So that's that seems to be Fairley's mode. I, You know, if we can talk about Peter Fairley for a second. Very fascinating career. You know, the first... if if we if we considered today his career ended which i don't think it will the first 90 percent is just like these comedies that are you know often gross out they're very silly outrageous characters you know his first movie is dumb and dumber which i think is the funniest movie ever made watched it recently and that confirmed it and then he has some other ones you know shallow house something about mary movies i like are you guys fans of peter Fairley output (laughs) mouth no. <laughs> I, I can't like. Say that I, am.
2: I like the Dumb and Dumber.
0: And the dumb, dumb and song. Dumber is
1: a Scar household uh, classic, in my opinion. Uh, but we we had a very low bar for comedies back then. Like my family loved uh, in the Army Now, uh, Son in Law, Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. All those movies. Those were like constantly playing in my childhood home.
0: If Peter Farrelly's next movie stars Paulie Shore and he gets them all the way to an Oscar nomination. I I would be okay with that. I think that would be a great redemption story. <laughs> yeah, I like some of these. Obviously, Dumb and Dumber is uh, my favorite comedy. Some of the other ones are good. A, a lot of the stuff in his personal life in his movies has has not aged well at all, but I don't I, I don't know if this is his mode now where starting with Green Book continuing with this if he's just going to keep on doing, like, these, you know, comic, but comic serio dramedies. I I don't know. He's he's doing an Adam McKay and just doing a
2: drastic shift in tone. Except Adam McKay is much better at it.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting, Michael, that you mentioned uh, he wanted to do, maybe kind of do a catch me if you can kind of thing. Uh, in my notes, I, I mentioned that they they needed to pick a lane with this movie, which is either trying to do, something more like Catch Me If You Can, where it's a, kind of a lighthearted drama, or do a Forrest Gump, where it is kind of a bit of a more of a, a dramedy that you can have light moments in a serious subject matter. But with, with it being set in Vietnam, it's a lot harder to be more funny. Um, so they, they try to balance it and it just doesn't work because they can't fic- they can't pick that lane that they wanna be in.
0: You're absolutely right. And what I will say is Tyler, you hated the comedy. I chuckled a few times um, and like a lot of movie comedies, I just don't like and don't laugh at, but I chuckled a few times. I can forgive most movies if you make me laugh really hard. And this one did not. So Josh, that's a good point. Tyler, were you going to say something?
3: I was just going to say something to your earlier point of like the, he kind of touched on the, like the bad things America kind of did. But I felt like he did that in such a lazy way of kind of being like, the CIA did bad things, the American soldiers were good. Like, it's only shown through the lens of, like, the CIA. So it's such a very, like, simplistic view of, like, we did bad things to be like, the shadow organization, we did bad
0: things, (laughs) but we were good. (laughs) You're absolutely... This is no Casualties of War, and believe me, any praise that I heap upon this movie is lukewarm. It is it is subtle because this is not a great movie. Um I thought Zach Efron was good as Chicky. He was reliable. Again, I don't with him, I think he's a really talented performer. I don't know if he's an elevator though. Not okay, I didn't not elevator, but I don't think if you give <laughs> if you give him a mediocre script, I think he's gonna be in a mediocre movie. I don't think he's raising anything. Am I wrong about that?
3: As someone who saw Firestarter, yes, I can agree.
2: Oh
0: god, I forgot <laughs> about
2: Firestarter. He's he's not an elevator. He's one of those little yeah. electric
0: trams at the airport he, that you step on to go He's a broken escalator. Yeah, I if we can talk about his career for a second, it's it's interesting because 2006 Comes on the scene with High School Musical. If you were in the age range for that, if you were watching Disney Channel original movies, that was the best thing that had ever happened in your life. Was High School Musical. You wanted to be a wildcat. You want you know you wanted it all. Uh, so major star, right? And that was he. That was only a couple of years into his career. Followed a year later by Hairspray, which is kind of like another musical. He's done The Greatest Showman. But since then, in the next 15 years, he's kind of had two modes. One, which is comedy star. He's in Neighbors, which is a movie I love. Seventeen Again, New Year's Eve, The Lorax, Dirty Grandpa, Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. Anybody, has anyone here seen Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates?
1: I've watched that one, yes.
0: I saw the trailer. I don't remember how old I was. Thought it was going to be funny. Went to it with my mom. And then it was just one of the worst experiences. (laughs) That was a mistake. (laughs) Well, my mom and I like to go to the movies with each other. We've seen some stuff, so it's okay. However, this was one of the worst experiences we've ever had in in a movie theater. Just awful. We should have left. But he's doing comedy, uh, you know, like Scoob he did a couple of years ago. Uh, And then two is that he has been... An actor in prestige movies, but none of the projects have been super huge, even when he's good in them, right? He's done Me and Orson Welles, which was a Richard Linklater movie, which was pretty critically well received, um, but didn't, I don't think that that would probably be on the bottom of movies people name when they talk about Linklater. Charlie St. Cloud, The Paperboy, which is the Lee Daniels movie, We Are Your Friends, and then uh, a dollar goes to anybody who can tell me the title of the Ted Bundy movie from a couple of years ago. Oh.
3: Extremely fast and incredibly close.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs>
2: monster. The Jeffrey Dahmer st- or the Ted Bundy story. Yeah, it pretty was, much. Yeah, it, was,
3: it was Dahmer monster. The Jeffrey Dahmer. Story.
0: Netflix really just wants to capitalize on on all this really awful things that happened in the world. Um, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. Is that it? I think that's it. That sounds right. My, Rolls off the tongue. Yeah, my least favorite title of all time. I hate it to this day. But, you know, he's he's been comedy and he's been prestige, but, like, not to critical acclaim. So, like, I don't, I don't know where he's going or if he's just going to keep doing these two things. I thought he was, like I said, good in this movie. I feel like this falls into the category of a prestige, or at least, Josh, like you mentioned, an attempt at a prestige project that I don't think is going to achieve prestige. And I don't, and he's fine in it. He's good. He's reliable. Um, but the other performances are good. Russell Crowe built. This is probably the least Ooh. I've ever enjoyed Bill Murray. And I count <laughs> his like minute and a half appearance at the beginning of the Darjeeling limited, where he's just chasing a train. Uh, I did anybody stand out to you guys in this movie?
3: I don't think anyone stood out, but Russell Crowe did the best with what he was given. Like, I actually enjoyed his character and wished they kind of, like, showed the press side more, because I thought that was the only interesting part of this movie.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I thought that guy Matt Cook as Habershaw, the guy who's, like, convinced that Chickie is in the CIA, he was pretty funny. I liked him. He did a nice job. I gotta ask you guys this. Should PBR have been the beer that he brought over?
3: So I was just thinking that because I was gonna make a joke on that. Like the the biggest horror of war they showed us is that someone is gonna show up and bring you like a three day warm PBR. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like three days and two months because they said it took two months to get over there too. Oh, true. oh that's
2: true.
3: <laughs> and then I, I well, when we get into spoilers, I'll explain. <laughs> like, I'll leave that for now.
2: I I was wondering just how. How many beers do you fit into that
0: sack? Like I have questions about the endless sack.
1: <laughs> he has uh Doc has a Mary Poppins bag for beer.
0: Uh, bad beer. <laughs> yeah, bad beer and like again, I don't was wasn't it warm within an hour of him leaving his apartment? Probably. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm sorry guys, it's a little warm. <laughs> it's been months. <laughs> He has like one melted ice pack in there. Also, he had a pair of socks, right? How are those not the most sodden socks that have ever existed? Ugh. <laughs> uh,
2: the answer is don't think about it. I guess.
1: Yeah, they were they were in the bag when the one can exploded. Plus, he had it on his head when it was raining overnight, and then he gave the friend the socks. So yeah, those <laughs> oh, things, geez, Even man. even regardless of the two month old two month long journey, just the two days it took for him to get to that guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I and I don't even I don't even remember from the book how many he brought or how he kept them cold. I mean I'm sure they had to be warm. Um Tyler, you mentioned how much you hated Chicky. I actually thought the movie was pretty self conscious about like Chicky kinda of being a dummy and like his mission being kinda of stupid. And again, that's not reflective of the real guy. That's just kinda of how the movie treats it. You know, from the very first moment, like the first shot is somebody calling him a freeloader who does nothing but drink off of other people's tabs. So, I mean, it's there. He does a bunch of stuff. He leaves his sister in the middle of the fight with the protesters. And I thought the most telling was the scene where he, like, calls his friend in, like, so he has to run across firefight so that he can, like, hide under a tarp and pop out like he's at a six-year-old's birthday party. So, yeah, it wasn't great, but I feel like the movie at least knew that what he was doing was pretty silly, because he's just eating up all these people's resources, Tyler, like you said. But the problem with it is they
3: forgive him every time he does something stupid. Then they're like, ah, you know, hey, thanks, though, for being a great guy. Every time. So he never gets like he never learns from his things because he still comes out on top as like the oh I'm the affable uh, guy that just kind of happens into these things and everyone loves me at the end. So it didn't actually like it. It did at first kind of be like oh you're this what you're doing is stupid and then it's like but I get it and thank you for this. (laughs) So like I, I felt like it was weak with the self
1: awareness. Uh, I think that's one thing that the movie really could have benefited from is instead of ending it where they ended, cut a little bit of the the assault on the embassy towards the end. Because I feel like that part goes on really long and give us like a five minute prologue or epilogue uh, where it's a few years later, his friends are home and they're telling stories about what dumb stuff Chicky has done uh, or did to bring them their beer you know, have that camaraderie after the fact as well. Don't just show us the pictures of the real Chicky because part of the story is not just Chicky's growth, but how he is able to help his friends lift their spirits and make it home. Or at least that's what I feel it should have been partially about.
0: I absolutely agree with that, and I think it's completely missing. Also, I'm going to piggyback on your point about showing us the real Chicky at the end. I... And this is just the thing about true story movies in general, not even just this one. When you change somebody's story like so much and then you give us facts about them at the end, like, I don't don't know. There's like some there's some untruth to it because you're the whole movie is like changing the real thing. And then at the end, you're like, oh, this is how he ended up, which like seems to create a direct line with what you just saw. But again, as you know, having read the book, it's not most of this. I don't want to say most of it didn't happen, but it was very, very different. Um, So I I think you make an interesting point. The the scene where with the protesters um, and Chicky's mad. Why does his friend call the peace guy a baby killer? Again, you know, like you guys have mentioned, it's like it's okay. It's all very surface level stuff. The only other thing I wanted to note is the names in this movie. I don't. The dialogue at one point a the ship's captain calls him a buttlicker, which I'm like, I don't. At what point in the script writing where they were just like, ah, oh, what is what does he call this guy? Call him a buttlicker. Yeah. All right, we're keeping that. We're keeping that. Somebody calls him a hand job at some point, <laughs> which no, I don't. I don't know if you've ever received a hand job. I don't I don't know if that's an insult. <laughs> and then at one point he describes his stepbrother that's actually his his half brother, so I was confused by that. Um, but I you know, those are just little things that my freakish mind thinks of with this so, movie.
3: So that was supposed to be a fake story, right? The whole stepbrother thing? Yeah, but it was like. Inaccurate. But he made him a half brother. Yeah, I was like, what? Why is he?
0: Like, this doesn't make any sense. He was like, like oh. you couldn't
3: come up with a, a little backstory beforehand.
0: Yeah, he was like, oh, his mom is my mom, and I'm like, well, then you are biologically related. <laughs> yeah,
3: like, it's still your brother. Like...
2: It's like the backstories,
0: and don't worry, darling. <laughs> <laughs> listen, we. That that's been one of my favorite recent episodes of ours. So go go listen to that. We really dug into that one. All right, so if we haven't already, spoiler warning for the greatest beer run ever, although you can watch the trailer and you know what's happening with this. <laughs> well, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, die someday okay. anyway, right? <laughs> what? Honey. Wow. Are oh, you kidding really? me? You just ruin it oh, every my. time. Oh. I'll see you at home. Well, wait so a second
1: rude. Now how would you not know that that was taking place?
0: There were so many scenes in this movie where cheerful music is played over something awful, which is like, okay, the, use the technique once, and then it's done. Like, we have the, the POW, the Prisoner of War Fallen, out of the helicopter, and then we have the, they played, I'd like to walk around in your mind, over the girl crying when she sees Chicky. It was, it was a little saccharine, it was like, okay.
3: I don't even think that was the movie's worst musical choice. It was the cheesy music over every time like something bad happened. Like, yeah, Tommy died, and it's like, <laughs> like, like, like what is the like? I I know how to feel at this point. You don't need to have the terrible generic sad music playing immediately.
0: <laughs> no, you don't. You're not smart enough to have your own emotions.
3: <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to feel sad right now. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't care about any of these characters.
0: Um, I tangentially cared about them in the fact that they were human beings, and then that was about it. The uh, The interaction, I did like Hugh, a.k.a. Oklahoma, who was played by Kevin Tran. Okay, storyline. I saw somebody note somewhere that, um, and for, forgive me, um, that he was just kind of there just so he could get killed which is accurate it was just a little moment of manipulation i did like it though for one thing that actually has nothing to do with the vietnam war and that it accurately portrays that moment where you meet somebody new and you say that you're gonna do something together but you're not really <laughs> sure if it's actually gonna happen so you have to check you're like I know we just said we'd travel around the world together. Are we actually going to do it? And the other person's like, yeah, yeah. And you go, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Which for anybody who's not an adult yet, that's how all adult plans work. (laughs) (laughs) Except
1: they all fall through unless you don't have kids. Then maybe it might happen.
0: Exactly. I I wasn't prepared for that when I became an adult. So it's, oh yeah, we're going to meet on Friday. Cool. Friday comes, oh, were we doing that? Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't just saying it to say it. I just wouldn't have spoken to you. Oh, you actually meant that. Okay. Yeah. yeah
1: if I could piggyback off of uh, the Oklahoma trope here, um, or the trope with the character Oklahoma, aka Hugh, um, the one of my, the biggest things I hate in movies and TV is when you have a character where you don't know their name. They're just referred to as a nickname or a description. And then you meet them and then they're like oh by the way my name is john and then two scenes later two episodes later whatever you only know their name because the next time they show up they're gonna die mm. and it's because mm. they want you to have that emotional connection to that person character creature whatever it is uh the mandalorian did it with quill and it, it, you you'll notice at any time uh ant-man does it really well with antony they name a bug, a, a big ant, Antony. And you're like, oh, Antony, he's my favorite. Oh, my God, he's dead.
0: It That is pretty manipulative as a narrative choice, for sure. Yeah, another weakness, of course, and I think this is a weakness of a lot of Vietnam War movies. It's just no sort of story or anything beyond brief glimpses about the Vietnamese people, the Vietnamese citizens. Um, so that that was another... Another big weakness of this, I thought. And then when Chicky returns to the bar, the guys act regular. As Tyler, as you mentioned, we get some more platitudes from, from Bill Murray as the barkeep. But Chicky has changed. He now knows that war is not fun and games. <laughs> and we're out. No,
3: he, he goes back to his sister and gives her the warmest beer known to man <laughs> as a, like, I saved this for you. It's like a mean Joe Green. Like, here's my yeah. filthy jersey I was just wearing in a football game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to make it. It's covered in blood, sweat, rain, and mud. <laughs> it's, a well,
2: it's a well-traveled beer, though.
3: And it's a PBR at the end of the day. Yeah. You know what?
2: I will, I will defend PBR. I, th- I, I like PBR.
0: I don't want to make this weird, <laughs> but at the very end, like, you know, they're sitting on the bench, he's putting the arm around her shoulder, and then she rubs his leg. I don't, simply I rubbing legs?
3: That. It was getting a little Folgers coffee commercial. <laughs> yeah, it was, I was like,
0: oh, maybe their family's different, but I'm like, know. Oh, it's kind of odd. I'm happy that you recognize that that Folgers commercial is weird. 'Cause I've thought that since I was eight years old. When I didn't even know what anything was, I knew it was weird.
3: She gave him she gave him he gave him the beer and she threw it away and she's like, You're my present. Oh jeez <laughs>
0: not like oh I love you sis. Just like a weird moment of of smoldering stare <laughs> before the parents come in. Jeez. It's so weird. This went south (laughs) so quick. (laughs) No, this is one of my favorite topics of conversation. It went
3: so south, I can hear the banjos. (laughs) All right,
0: all right, all right. There's the line. You went over. You went over. All right, let's imagine you're away somewhere and a friend from home brings you a store level American beer. What is it that you guys want? Hmm. a store level, a Sam Adams. A Sam, okay, Sam Adams.
3: Absolutely. Give me a Boston Log. <laughs> like
2: like mass produced store level like not craft.
0: Yes, exactly.
2: Yeah,
1: I'd I'd go either PBR or Coors Light. I don't drink beer, so can I say a Mike's Hard Lemonade?
0: <laughs> uh Josh, I'm going to second you on that. Mike's Hard sounds good. I, I you know, they could ice me. Bring me a smeared off ice, I'll do it. That go. be good.
1: Yeah, Smirnoff grape tastes like grape soda.
0: Like, that's great. Yeah, it's awesome.
3: Can I change mine to a Natty Daddy?
0: (laughs) I mean, if you want to... If you want to... If you want to portray yourself in that light, then you go right ahead.
1: What about Zima?
0: (laughs) Here,
3: I brought this to cheer you up.
0: I'm surprised his sister...
3: Just, just stand up in the gunfire and walk it. Into...
1: <laughs> Zima commercial for you.
0: <laughs> if I were the sister at the end, yeah, and he offered me that beer, I'm like, why don't you just go ahead and spit in my mouth? I think that would be better to this <laughs> this beer that's been through through hell. Any final thoughts on the greatest beer run ever? I I think we pretty much said it all
2: which is probably a lot more than many people are thinking about this movie at this point.
0: All right. Well then Josh, thank you so much for coming on. Tell the people where they can find talking smack or you personally online.
1: Uh, They can find me on Twitter at Josh underscore scar scar spelled S K double a R. You can follow the podcast at talking smack pod. Uh, We also have a discord, which uh, anyone and everyone is welcome to join Uh, talk movies, superheroes, comics, whatever, in nerd culture, and uh, yeah, just have fun and enjoy things. That's what we like to do.
2: I love that, Matt. You can find me over at Matty X Sturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxed. Tyler.
3: You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler Sutkus and on Letterboxd at Tyler96.
0: You can write to the show at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at screensaverspod. And our Facebook is Silver Screen Savers Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Stay down to bone.
3: Silver Screen Savers Podcast is hosted
2: and produced by Michael Gallett, Tyler Sutkus, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay, logo design by Nathan Seidel.